welcome to the Decrypting Crypto Podcast. It's February 23rd and this is Off Chain, your weekly recap of the biggest stories in Web3. I'm Matthew Housebarbie and as always, I'm here with Austin Knight. How you doing, Austin? I'm doing pretty well. We've got, we're, we're still up, Matt. I can't believe it. Uh, haven't crashed yeah. to new lows. <laughs> I know. Well, at least from our crypto portfolios. Personally, you know, we're, we're working on That's a different story, yeah. This. Yeah, def- definitely. Uh, but yeah, well, I know. I, I It had me a little bit worried yesterday. Everything seems to be, like, especially like uh, equities. Everyone's getting a little bit worried that we've all been a bit too optimistic that the Mm -hmm. fed is going to drive down rates at some point this year which i still don't think there's going to be a rate decrease and yeah i i kind of still feel a little bit bearish but i just want to enjoy this period of time i think that i don't think we're going to see this like crazy big drawdown i think we're just going to slowly just like kind of draw down a bit as as investors in general across all markets and especially across like the bond markets start to resize and reevaluate their bets. Uh, it feels like that's going to be a little sharper on the equity side when that starts mm-hmm. happening, especially if we start seeing, I mean, we've went from, okay, there's probably going to be 50 basis points left of increases from the fed. Now it seems to be generally consensus. that's going to be 75 basis points. If that were yep. to, increase or there'd be a slightly more aggressive rate rise in the short term yeah things will take a uh take a downward turn but i don't know i think we're all probably waiting to hear a bit more about like jobs reports and stuff like that that are going to be coming in the the coming few weeks yeah no doubt about it and of course you know the eternal question for us is this just a tech recession like what's going on here guys where's the (laughs) can we crash some other industries too i'm kidding (laughs) (laughs) you you heard it here first people austin knight (laughs) wants the downfall of other industries now it would kind of be nice for it to not just be centered in on our industries i guess yeah Uh, (laughs) but we got some we got some really interesting stuff that we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about the creator royalties war that's happening uh, with OpenSea and Blur. Some of you may be Fun sitting times. on those nice juicy Blur airdrops. Um, we got, of course, some more updates around central bank digital currencies. Updates from Solana. Some sad news, uh, I, I think, on that front. And then some very controversial stuff around Yuga Labs and potential plagiarization of some artwork. So we'll dig into all of that and more. Uh, So let's jump into our first story of the day. In what has been a pretty left field move that we weren't expecting from OpenSea, they have probably caved to competition for the first time that I've ever seen in their history. And they have temporarily dropped all of their marketplace fees. So fees on purchasing NFTs, uh, which they would take, I believe it was like a 2.5% fee um, on, on all purchases and making creator royalties uh, optional with a 0.5% minimum um, for all chain uh, kind of collections without on-chain enforcement. Basically, this is all came from the fact that Blur, the kind of new up and coming or newest competitor to OpenSea, has just been on an absolute tear. And 
to to understand this, you kind of got to understand <clears throat> the the meta around some of like the NFT uh, kind of trading situation right now and over the past four to five months in particular, and then also the the business model of of Blur. So most notably, Blur has been kind of came onto the the scene as a zero fee and completely optional creator royalty um, NFT marketplace. This was huge news because highly controversial, but a lot of traders were loving this, right? Dramatically reduced some, some costs that they were paying out. The thing that's been fueling this crazy growth, and just as an FYI, when I talk about this crazy growth, Blur has just passed OpenSea on total trading volume to be the highest volume NFT marketplace right now. Not only that, but they've just released their token, which you may have heard about, the Blur token, which also means that they're the most uh, valuable NFT marketplace token by by market cap, which is the time of recording right now, around Thursday, is around about 400 million uh, bucks. What's been fueling this? Well, in the run-up to this, it's been all about the much-anticipated Blur airdrop. And they did their first ever airdrop uh, last week, a uh, week before. No, I think it was last week. And, um, you know, <clears throat> the, the way that they managed this is since around about October, November, maybe, the you could earn points and that would earn you care packages. The way that you did this was through placing trades on Blur and also um, putting bids in on the Blur marketplace. So you would get the largest amount of points if you would put in bids for NFT collections um, close to the floor price. The longer your bids are there, the closer to the floor price, i.e. you are serving as liquidity for, for those collections, the more points you're getting, the more ETH that you would spend and turn over in volume, the more points you would get. And then they turn into these care packages. Care packages were then redeemed for blur tokens in the airdrop. Um, Austin, did you get any get any uh, nice blur, blur tokens from this? <laughs> I can't say I did, but a lot of people are getting in on that. It's It's been interesting to watch and, and see how much their trading and volume has increased in such a short period of time. And also just sort of, you know, the loyalty components around this, which, you know, I, I think would be interesting to dig into here. Um, yeah, yeah, lots of people participating. Massively. Oh, I mean, this is just huge. Yeah, you may remember me saying back in January that uh, I never professed to be a NFT trader in any way, but I jumped on all of the hype around the the trial of Jimmy the Monkey with the whole Board Ape uh, Yacht Club stuff and did a little bit of flipping. And I did it all through Blur. And got like a nice 2000 bucks Blur airdrop as a result of it, which was pretty nice, uh, which I will say I sold immediately. Uh, I, have got, <laughs> yeah, I have got zero time for holding on to any airdrops. I've learned that lesson a long time. I couldn't care less if this thing 10x is from now because most of the time it goes down south. So yeah. yeah, that was a that was a nice little uh, nice little win. I know some people have uh, cashed in very very nice amounts, uh, much better than my two K. But hey, free money, free money. Um, but here's here's what's interesting, right? So if we look at the trading volume in the past seven days, Blur has generated 
$460 million worth of NFT trades uh, on Ethereum over the past seven days. That is a 361% increase week over week. We compare that $460 million worth to OpenSea, which has has done a $107 million worth of, so, so nearly three, um, sorry, nearly 4X or actually... Uh, three action, I say, uh, on on OpenSea. So that is only a twelve percent increase week over week for OpenSea. But here's here's where I think this is interesting, and where the big criticisms of Blur is coming is like, well, how much of this is just people kind of airdrop farming versus actually using mm-hmm. the the platform? How much of it's wash trade and things like that? So Blur, if you look at the unique number of traders that have been trading on the the Blur. Um, marketplace over the past seven days, 55,000 unique traders. Now, with a with a fraction of the amount of total volume, OpenSea has had 125,000 unique traders. So like 3x more, uh, even though their volume is, is nearly 4x worse. So, you know, it kind of gets you uh, painting a picture of like, is this going to last? I'm not sure. Will OpenSea's reduction in fees really kind of matter here? Um, what I do know is they are scared right now. And this is all in the background of like ETH NFT sales growing 155% week over week. The NFT market has probably hasn't been this liquid in a long, long time. And um, so you can actually see the OpenSea tweet that they shared out that talked about their fee reduction. And so... OpenSea fee moving to 0% for a limited time. They also, and I think most importantly, the most notably, moving to optional creator earnings, so 0.5% minimum, which also is exactly in line with what Blur do for all collections without on-chain enforcement, old and new. You'll remember they grandfathered in a load of uh, their the old projects into creator royalties previously. Well, that's gone, at least for now. And uh, marketplaces with the same policies will not be blocked by the operator filter. This is uh, notable because, of course, OpenSea blocked uh, Blur from from using their uh, using their API. So this is a big deal. It's probably the first time OpenSea has ever bowed to competition, and you can expect the creator royalties fee debate to to rage on. We oh, did yeah. a whole kind of episode. I think it was January around creator royalties. Um, I think that's going to keep going. Uh, my take remains the same as last time. Creator royalties are not going to be here for very long. And uh, it, it is a matter of time before they disappear completely. And I think it's important for creators to prepare for that and figure out better routes for monetization, to, to be completely honest. Yeah, I mean, definitely a strong signal coming out of OpenSea here. Of, of course, on top of that, I mean, I'm, it's it's amazing. You know, you, you can tell that they're really attempting to compete and retain their user base here. I mean, don't forget OpenSea, I think last time I checked, had a valuation north of $13 billion, yeah. right? So this is a behemoth that we're talking about. For them to drop their fee to 0%, albeit for a limited time, but that's their primary source of revenue, right? So yep. this is it, it, this is like, I, I don't think it's an exaggeration to characterize this as an all-out battle for, uh, you know, domination or at least majority control of this space, right? 
Um, I mean, you, you look at Blur on the other side of it. There's season two airdrop that's coming up. Season mm-hmm. one was last week. Season two coming up. It's going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of $300 million worth of new tokens that they're going to be introducing to the ecosystem. Um, so this it's a is a lot of token. It's a lot of token. It is. Um, I, I mean, again, you know, you want to talk about sustainability, uh, hmm. you know, on, on Blur's part, like who knows how long you can keep something like that up. And then, of course, I think that your point around Blur having, you know, uh, this huge trading volume, uh, uh, you know, north of $400 million, uh, you know, over the past week versus OpenSea's $100 million over the past week. You, you sort of juxtapose that with the fact that that was done on Blur by 55,000 traders versus 125,000 on OpenSea. And you can start to, you know, maybe question sort of the long-term staying power of Blur because it does look like there's basically, there's a huge constituency of whales on Blur yes. that are just moving huge amounts of money around to game the loyalty system. I mean, when $300 million is coming into play in their season two drop, obviously a lot of people are going to be heading over there and moving money around just to, you know, pull in those airdrops. With that said, I am fascinated by their long-term loyalty play because the they're building out this loyalty system. I, I don't know, you know, Matt, like you, you're probably interacting with it yourself, but yeah. uh, it, it, it's, it's aiming to eventually, uh, you know, almost entirely base the rewards on uh, loyalty in like the strictest sense of the term to blur or to a platform because it looks like OpenSea is going to be doing the same thing to the point where the the users with the highest loyalty score they will be you know in order to maintain that score they will be required to use blur exclusively as in yep. like they have a block list you can't list for on any other yeah you can't list on any other marketplace your your nfts to maintain that 100% loyalty kind of bonus things like that. It's, it, it's kind of, it, it's, it's interesting. You know, I think from Blur's side, you say, okay, what happens when the Ponzi stops printing, right? It's like, <laughs> there's only so much you can kind of throw, right? And listen, don't knock the Ponzi. The Ponzi, the Ponzi will provide for the whales. Don't get me wrong. Oh, we love uh, our Ponzi's here. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> it, but where I think the damage is, right. And in his, you know, this is all not financial advice. But if there is one piece of broad advice, I would say is don't buy a ton of blur tokens thinking that you are going to just like ride away into the sunset with this like thing that's going to have mass adoption. Let me tell you what happens when $300 million worth of net new supply hits the market and lands in the hands of a small number of whales. And and keeping they... in mind, you said that the market cap was like four hundred million dollars yeah. as of right now, right? Yeah, so for, that's like exactly. a- almost the entire market cap a- entering <laughs> into it, the market exactly. and diluting it. Yeah, and and you know what? So there's one thing where the whales get the airdrop, and it's like it'd be like twenty people will get like ninety percent of these tokens, right? How do they how do they profit from that? It's one thing to get tokens. Well, you need liquidity. You need people to be buying into your wave of selling. You start buying, you are their exit liquidity. That's how they make money. And let me tell you, you are going to get dumped on like you've never been dumped on before. Uh, it, it is going to be monumental. So my advice is stay well clear of this. You want to go airdrop farming on Blur? Sure, you, like you'll probably do some some good stuff there. 
get out while you can because like it's a the ones that are first in make the most money as long as they're also the ones that are first out and i think it's just recognizing that there's also just like a lot of stuff that's kind of coming out now is like oh i I hear just like OpenSea are going to drop a token and uh, now we've got to like stop farming on there it wouldn't surprise me if like OpenSea are like starting to spread some of this I just don't see with the amount they've fundraised and like their, their current model, why on earth would OpenSea ever drop a token? Well, I could be wrong mm-hmm. about this, but it just doesn't make any sense to me. It, it, and it will also mean that they can fall into the trap of blur and, you know, token mm-hmm. drops, they dry up and things get worse. And then things just, the whole narrative changes. I personally think blur is not going to compete with OpenSea long-term. Um, I think when the Ponzi dries up, unless they do something completely novel, anything that they've done as OpenSea have temporarily shown, it can be matched. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not super bullish on this. I think if there's value to be had, it's in the like marketplace aggregators, which, funnily enough, OpenSea uh, acquired Gem, one of the largest uh, mm-hmm. aggregators, so it has that as well. So I think you know this is going to be interesting to watch, but. I would say speculate with caution just because something has mass adoption in the in the in the closed loop scene of you know crypto people it doesn't mean that's going to translate into value accrual into a token and I think that's really important to separate that yeah I I totally agree with that said I mean hey not a bad opportunity to take advantage of 0% fees for some time you know grab some uh, loyalty tokens and, and you can sell them, you know, same way you did, Matt. Again, yep. to be clear, none of this is financial advice. We're not financial advisors. Uh, we're just a couple idiots. <laughs> yeah. That, that Go have, into my wallet you know... history and you'll see what kind of financial <laughs> advice you're getting. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> um, but, you know, so if you want to ape into blur, I mean, by all means. But I think that, Matt, what you're pointing out here is a behavior and a market dynamic that we have seen time and time again. So if history yeah. proves true as it has time and time again, especially over the past year, um, that's probably what we can expect. So be careful, do your research and make your own decisions, come to your own conclusions. But that those are our thoughts on what's happening there. Nevertheless, what an interesting show to watch. Yeah, definitely. I think it's it's all about, you know, if someone apes into something like Blur and they they make a nice profit, fair play. Like, I, I, I'm happy yeah. for you. I think the key thing is, in any trade that you're doing, especially in crypto, you need to understand whether you are making a narrative trade or a fundamental trade, right? This isn't a fundamental trade. This isn't a thing where you're like, this is just like a fundamentally great token and like investment play that's here for the long term this is a narrative like trade this is a Mm -hmm. oh this is the current meta people are going to ape into it there's going to be a lot of hysteria i'm going to trade on it and you know i can get something short term nice if not all right i gotta i gotta exit out and cut my losses soon knowing those two things can make you pretty just being able to approach every trade in like crypto through those two lenses really helps you kind of get a good balance and know what you're getting into. So yeah. Anyway, we'll see how it goes. We'll see how wrong I, uh, I am over, over the <laughs> next few, few months, but uh, let's jump into our second story of the day. Representative Tom 
Emmer in the United States is saying that the Fed must not create a digital currency surveillance state. This is super interesting. We were talking about CBDCs as recent as last week. Tom Emmer is the Republican House Majority Whip from Minnesota, and he just introduced legislation on Wednesday seeking to bar the Federal Reserve from issuing a CBDC directly to individuals. Uh, Yeah, it's called the CBDC Anti-Surveillance State Act. And basically it out... Catchy, that one. (laughs) Yeah, They had the marketers in there, didn't they? (laughs) Oh, it's not quite as good as the the Patriot Act. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's true. That is true. That is My favorite. That's beautiful. (laughs) Yeah, these aptly named bills. Oh, they always tell the truth. Um, This one might actually be telling the truth, though, because really what, what it is outlying is... Uh, concerns that CBDCs would erode Americans' rights to financial privacy. Um, And Tom Emmer has been quoted as saying, quote, any digital version of the dollar must uphold our American values of privacy, individual sovereignty, and free market competitiveness. Anything less opens the door to the development of a dangerous surveillance tool. So this does kind of touch on some of those concerns that I think we were, you know, talking about the, the last time that CBDCs came up, um, basically around, you know, how governments could manipulate control over a digital currency and gather, you know, some pretty sensitive transaction information that previously would have just held by, you, you know, been held by private companies, banks, etc., or like completely unavailable because of cash. Um, mm. So. Or, or at least in like in silos that are difficult for one exactly. entity to stitch together, right? And I think that's kind of the piece. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like you know, right now you have to get a bunch of banks and boards and and even like disparate state agencies yeah. to yeah to comply in order to uh, you know gain information or lock somebody out of the financial system or whatever it may. You got to know how to use a fax machine. You know, it's like... <laughs> yeah, and they're only open from 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. on Wednesday. <laughs> That's when you can do all of the uh, the espionage, uh, you know, yeah. is, you know, in those that small time window with a fax machine. Yes, yes. This is uh, the only positive to how the DMV <laughs> operates is that the rest of the government operates that way as well. And it means that they're completely ineffective. And the less that they do, the better off we are. Okay, I'll, I'll calm down. I've been kind of anti-government the last couple of um, But you know what's Austin's gone full this? libertarian on us right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I am pandering to our libertarian crowd here. In the yeah. Industry. Um, but you know what's interesting about this, Matt, is that... I, like, like Emmer, his name has come up a lot, right? He's actually one of Congress's most vocal crypto advocates. Um, and he introduced some similar legislation back in early 2022 that sought to require that any digital currency developed by the Fed would be permissionless. Again, you know, with the goal to ensure user privacy. And that bill was not passed. It wasn't mm. super popular. But at the same time, the Fed has acknowledged that it's exploring CBDCs. I mean, this is something that's happened. We talked about this recently. Uh, Numerous Fed offices right now have job openings uh, where they are recruiting senior level developers for digital currency projects. The details of these projects aren't really clear yet, but I think you can kind of read between the lines on this one. There's a Mm -hmm. pilot program in New York right now with the New York Fed and BNY Mellon, Citibank, Wells Fargo, all, all of the usual all the good suspects. Guys. All the good yeah. guys. 
<laughs> oh yes, Wells Fargo. As we mentioned last time, we talked about this one. The the the, the ones you want to trust your CBDC to. <laughs> Listen, but, Austin, uh, not, not all heroes wear capes, right? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, I remember back when I was living in California and Wells Fargo was having all of its issues. Like there were literal protests in front of like my local Wells Fargo branch. It was yeah. the, I had a Wells Fargo in, in front of my home. And uh, it was like, man, those poor people, like, what do you think? They don't have anything to do with this. But anyway, um, so CBDCs are advancing in a lot of ways across the globe as well. Like, you you know, we've talked about Japan, the UK, Turkey, the EU, China. Mm -hmm. This is something that's happening. So it does make sense that this battle has been sparked up within the U.S. government. And, you know, I mean, classically, crypto has been something that's pretty bipartisan in the U.S., right? Like you see good crypto legislation coming from the left and the right so far, in my opinion. Um, But Emmer's bill is still kind of gaining support and currently only has nine Republican supporters and no Democrat supporters. So I hope that this isn't no Democrats. Can Sam, could Sam give over some of that bail money again to the the Democrats and get them on board a little bit here? You need to add a little sweetener in, I think. I think he's got some of those FTT tokens uh, that he could uh, throw that away. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I know. That one hurts. I hope this isn't the sign of a partisan divide, you know, starting here. Because like from what I've read about this bill, it it seems like something that like it, it would be fairly popular, I think, with, you know, your average citizen that has, you know, at least a baseline understanding of crypto and CBDCs. Um, Mm -hmm. and then also just, you know, maybe even if you don't understand it, but you have a skepticism of the fed, uh, of which there is plenty right now, you know, I could see this being popular on both sides across both sides of the aisle. So I hope to see more smart legislation like this, that is at least, you know, putting some scrutiny on the fed and the, the, the federal government and their role in currency and and how much visibility they should have into that, how much control they should have. But and I think, uh, you know, I, th- you I know, think this needs to be seen. Uh, yeah, my, my worry, right, is it, it really could become bipartisan if this becomes a kind of quote unquote crypto issue. This is a digital mm-hmm. surveillance and digital privacy issue right, that, that we're discussing mm-hmm. here. Yes, this is a digital currency. Yes, this is a cryptocurrency. It, that is beside the point. What we are debating here is like the usage of and like the way in which we approach digital privacy and ultimately state level surveillance and i think that is what's important here i think if that can be the narrative it it should hopefully yeah like you say be able to cross the aisle a little bit and gain some momentum but yeah it's difficult and the ftx situation makes just all of these waters a little bit more bloody uh to kind of navigate through no yeah no kidding man right let's jump into our third story of the day Solana Spaces. Yeah, you remember those? Remember those lovely looking retail stores? They kind of look like Apple stores. There was one in New York City, Miami. They had all this beautiful Mm. swag. Phantom Wallet were in there. People coming in in their thousands. It was going to be the Solana phone home. They're gone. So one year, (laughs) one year has passed and they're closing. Uh, So it's, uh, yeah, I... I mean, I'm, I'm How does speaking. that go, Matt? Grand opening? Grand closing? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's I, such you a know, bummer. 
I, it actually is. It is a bummer. You know, it like it's. It's. I don't even know why I find this funny. It, I don't find it funny. And it's. It is a real bummer that this has been the case because, um, you know, look, the Solana ecosystem. I've never been like a. Oh, I'm a huge Solana fan. I've never really hated Solana. I think it's been a super interesting project. It's been an ecosystem full of a lot of like really great creators and builders. Um, but it is, you know, that it's been through real tough times. It was a Sam coin. And because of that, the FTX kind of implosion really impacted Solana. And I think this is a big part of it. Um, so the Solana spaces was an offshoot um of of the like primary like solana project and I'll, I'll quote from uh a a tweet that they pushed out we've made the difficult decision to sunset our stores in nyc and miami by the end of february and to pivot our solana onboarding efforts into digital products like drip our free nft product with more than 100k signups I think I saw somewhere that um, they had a total of 75,000 people come through their stores. And, you know, I, I don't know what they expected. You're not going to onboard, like, millions of people with two stores and in, with crazy rent. I, I think it was an interesting and a cool brand play. Um, I kind of liked it as a play, actually. And yeah. I thought also with the Solana phone due to kind of launch... It, it would have been good to have retail stores, no doubt yep. about it. Um, you got to wonder why this leaves the Solana phone. Um, and, you know, it's just not great optics for the Solana ecosystem as a whole. What I will say is they, I saw them tweet out about um, the stores kind of closing either this week or next. So you probably got a few more days. If you go in there, they're going to give you a bunch of swag. They were like, oh, we're going to be super generous. I think they're just giving away a load of like the stock and swag to people that are going in. So if you just want like a moment of history, at least, uh, go in, grab some swag, and at least you've locked in like a great like moment of uh, crypto history, at least, which is kind of funny. But sure, it's a real bummer for that team. I can only imagine all of the work that went into getting that stuff up and running. And it's, yeah, it, it'd be a real bummer for those teams for sure. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, I, I guess, you know, across the board, OpEx is being cut, right? So this yeah. is probably just one aspect of that. But I love the swag aspect of it. I'm going to be in New York in a few days. I'll probably stop in there, you know, say goodbye. I want to see, see you head to toe in Solana gear. I want to see that <laughs> tweeted out. <laughs> it's yeah. like, I feel like that will become just such a, uh, like, I am a little bit jealous. I'm still going to buy a Solana phone. I'm assuming they get mm -hmm. released just for the, I love like having just that, these little kind of moments of history, yeah. uh, but it, yeah, I, it, you got to wonder where it, where it leaves that. We'll keep, we'll keep tabs on that. I'm, I, I do feel for the Solana ecosystem a little bit here, you know, they've not had a great few months for sure, but the end of the day, it's just a couple of stores, right? It, it, it will go on. And it seems like their drip project is a much bigger focus to onboard lots more people, but with that, let's jump into our last story of the day. Yuga Labs have been accused of IP theft for trademarking the Bored Ape Yacht Club Wolf Skull logo. You may be familiar with that logo. It's from Yuga Labs NFT collection, and it was allegedly illegally trademarked without proper licenses. It looks like this logo was originally released by... Uh, company called easy drawing guides which basically so specializes yeah i mean i i it's 
absolutely you know it is a bit of a meme that sort of encapsulates the entire space at this point like um so yeah easy drawing guides they were uh, a company or they are a company that specializes in drawing tutorials for children and beginners i mean completely (laughs) unrelated to the crypto space like it's yeah it's actually a brand for kids uh which (laughs) i don't know what that says kids how to draw and they've used it for the board ape kennel club logo yeah (laughs) it's just you can't write this it's hilarious i mean it's uh uh, there's so many layers to this onion of just like (laughs) inferences that you can make about the space like the fact that the logo for the the board ape kennel club was taken from a children's drawing (laughs) tutorial uh the fact that it literally (laughs) says how to draw a wolf's head Also, like, you know, it's isn't it somewhat ironic that NFTs were introduced with the oh. ex- like express purpose of solving illegal use of intellectual properties and protecting artists and that's like basically exactly what Yuga Labs is violating here. It really and you know, when I actually saw the headlines, I was like, uh, you know, this is just going to be another like silly claim that's just because it's easy to dunk on something like Yuga and stuff mm-hmm. like that and be like oh yeah. they do this i remember the whole like crazy youtube videos about how it was like someone's making a claim that board up yacht club was all like a nazi cult and i was just like well yeah, this yeah. is like tinfoil hat time but it is unquestionable unquestionable that this is a straight up copy of this like it's not even like oh that's similar it's like no it's just it's, it's literally that if you'd have just yeah. reverse google image searched it before like board Ape kennel club had got big and took over the search results it would have just been this exact image it is that's it, it it's shameless yeah it is it's uh you know it, you know what's so weird um <clears throat> for those that uh, on the podcast that aren't aware i my my normal job is that i work in design product design ux design um and this is really interesting to me from from a design perspective to think about you know how these types of things happen and you know matt a lot of stuff like this has been happening recently Uh, i i don't know if you saw what happened with bolt's logo but basically like there was this logo that this startup um rebranded itself and then it turned out that the logo was actually taken from another startup and then like two weeks later another startup stole the same logo again like it was this weird chain of like (laughs) one startup stole another startup's logo and then another startup stole that from the startup that stole it from the first startup Uh, logoception yeah (laughs) just those those layers yeah yeah really bad um and you know what happened here is yuga labs had hired a freelancer to create the the logo design for uh the board ape kennel club And so I I think that a lot of this comes down to freelancers, agencies uh, that are being hired by, you know, these corporate entities that, you know, they've got a lot going on. They're probably uh, not super, you know, cued into what's happening in the design space or they're not doing, you know, a lot of due diligence on the assets that are being provided to them. And honestly, I mean, should they really need to? Like, what's the purpose of hiring a designer or, or an agency, you should be able to trust them. Um, yes. And it looks like this designer just straight may have straight up taken 
this asset. And uh, Yugo Labs actually, you know, back in June 2021, when they released the logo, they applied to, to trademark it a couple months later in November. Um, so they were attempting to trademark this logo, but Easy Drawing Guides, they had posted uh, the, the, uh, this image, which, you know, wasn't a logo, it was just a drawing guide, um, that, that was, you know, the same exact thing. Uh, they posted it to their official Twitter in April of 2021. Mm. So, you know, a few months before That's very fortunate it was ever they did used. That. <clears throat> oh, no kidding, man. I mean, to, to be able to have that, you know, time-stamped uh, record of it is, is really valuable here to easy drawing guides. And there were some people that were saying, well, you know, like, do they actually even have any, you know, claim over this? Like, maybe it's something um, that that isn't protected under law and uh, Yuga Labs isn't actually in the wrong here. Well, it turns out if you read into yeah. Easy Drawing Guides terms and conditions, they grant a non-transferable, non-exclusive, revocable, limited license to use and access the website solely for personal, non-commercial use. Okay, so that uh, does yeah. not protect any use by a, uh, you know, a, a commercial entity like Yuga Labs, what they're doing here, um, if it is, you know, in, in fact, taken from Easy Drawing Guides, it's a clear violation of uh, copyright law. So, yeah, it turns out the logo is being removed and replaced on the uh, BAYC and <clears throat> Board Ape Kennel Club uh, website, and they're asking that marketplaces... Uh, Re- really? So. Oh, wow. I, I completely missed that bit of the story. So they're, they're actually going to redo the whole logo? Yeah, they are. As of right, Ah, that, that, is, they, that is great. Yeah. And I hope that they do something for easy drawing, guys. I, I actually am with you with the whole, like, you know, we you've, you've ran giant design teams. You've worked with tons of freelance designers. Like, you know how this could play out, right? And yeah. I... I, I not for one minute think that Yuga Labs will have purposefully, as a core team, no. done this. If they, if like, especially with the simplicity of the logo. So, like, when you think about this, um, not that a simple design isn't, uh, it like in itself is a simple kind of thing. It more so that it is a derivative of their existing kind of design uh, pattern that they had with the Bored Ape skull. And, you know, this is kind of like, you know, it was always going to be, you can imagine the design brief for this is basically like draw a like dog skull that matches in theme with, with this, like they've done for their other derivatives. So like with that, it's, it's not even like uh, if they'd have even been even on the fence, they'd have just said, just change it and make it slightly different. Right, like you, mm-hmm. you know, like th- yeah. it's not worth all this. So I, I hope that they do something for the easy drawing guides team. They don't need to, right? Like, and uh, they, they could still get sued. They probably won't, but like they should do something here as some goodwill, um, considering they've made a few hundred million uh, uh, off of all of this stuff anyway. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Yuga Labs, obviously, an entity that large, has a huge legal and compliance team. They they wouldn't willfully, you know, subject themselves to this type of liability. Um, yeah. Uh, which really, you know, again, not to point fingers here, but if they did, in fact, hire a freelancer or an agency to do this, as they say they did, in my opinion, uh, the person that's culpable here and really, you know, in a fair and just world would be liable. Although, of course... Oh, they're going to probably get sued, I think. If, if they yeah. have any kind of just basic agreement, right? It would be in there. Like, you think about most of this is, yeah, like, you'll have signed... 
even just like really basic contracts mm-hmm. for being a, like doing freelance work, especially on design, nearly every one of the basic terms is like, like for a content creator, for example, you cannot use any copyrighted trademark materials. And if you do, you will be personally subject and liable to right. um, like any legal ramifications. <laughs> yeah. Welcome. Welcoming that freelancer to contract law. Uh, I, I hope mm-hmm. you you haven't signed something like that because you are going to be in a very bad way right now. Yeah, so interesting situation. Um, I yeah, I, I'm glad to see that they're removing and replacing it. I think that's the right the right way forward. And, uh, and I that's a difficult thing much. to do. It's a difficult thing oh to do. Oh my god! Yeah, it's a real pain, man. I mean, yeah, you've been through it, like rebrands and yeah, yeah, we've went through and, it and when you're an NFT together. project. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Yeah. We have, we've been through that together at, at HubSpot and things like that. Right. So, you know, but when you're an NFT brand, your literal product is the brand identity. It, mm-hmm. you know, that is just like the one thing you never want to have to change. Um, you know, you don't want an Uber logo rebrand situation with uh, your NFT right. project. It, it, it's yep. yeah, that's tricky, but I'm sure we'll hear a little bit more about that. We've got a lot more coming. We want to dig in. We were, we really wanted to cover just before we started recording. We we were we were hearing the news that Coinbase is planning to launch a layer two roll up uh, mm-hmm. blockchain of its own, which is huge news. We just haven't dug in deep enough yet. We're going to dig into that next week. We might try and get someone from the Coinbase team or someone uh, uh, else that's relevant to chat through some of that stuff. But it's big news, really big news, and um, I think we're going to dig into that next week but we've covered quite a lot today so lots going on hopefully we're still going to be in the green when we chat next week austin (laughs) fingers uh... crossed (laughs) all right i'll speak to you next week yeah talk to you then matt Contents of the Decrypting Crypto podcast should not be used and are not intended as investment advice. Please do your own due diligence before making any investment, cryptocurrency or otherwise.